Has anybody ever been to Disney World? I know we've had like so many people from Boyle County end up in Disney last week. If you've ever been there, you, you know just how brilliant they are, the folks down at Disney, and making you feel as if you're just part of the family. They do a great job doing that. I mean, there are greeters everywhere. There's personal touches. Even if you've never been there before, you, you feel like you're just home. I remember years ago when we were there with our kids, and they were very young, Julianne had such a massive headache that, I mean, she, she couldn't function. And so we went into one of these shops, and I said, you know, do you have any kids, Tylenol or something? And this man said, come with me, folks. We'll get you taken care of, sweetie. He said that to Julianne, not to me. And... <laughs> And they, and they took us back through the store, through the different corridors. We went into a door that I didn't even know was a door, back behind the scenes. He said, come on, folks, I got something. We're going to get your daughter taken care of. I said, wow, this is like personal touch here. Went back through another room and into this room with tables. It looked like a, like a staff break room or something. And he went up to this cabinet and took down a little um, one dose of children's Tylenol. And, and he said, I think this is going to fix her right up. And he said, and you can pay for this at the main checkout at the front of the store. It's only nine ninety-five. I mean, Disney does all of this hospitality. They want you to feel magical for one reason. That's to make a profit. Listen, I love going to Disney. I feel like I'm a kid when I'm there. I feel like a kid most of the time. But when I'm there, I really do. I love it. They're brilliant at two things, I think, that, that makes them so successful. One, they, they, they make us feel like we're their guests, not their customers. And secondly, they, they build expectation and even anticipation before we even enter the park. It's like, oh, we can't wait. Oh, what's going to happen? I mean, when it comes to making people feel at home, Disney does. In fact, they have, a, they have an institute. It's called the Disney Institute. And they've published books on hospitality that I've used in churches. We can learn a lot from them on how to make first-timers here feel like guests and not visitors. And when it comes to building expectation, nobody does it like the folks at Disney. You can wait in line for an hour. And it's okay, because they entertain you while you're in line. They have all kinds of things to get you looking forward to what's about, about to happen. I mean, even for a ride that isn't even that fun or exciting. When you get on that ride, it's like, I can't believe I'm on Dumbo. You can just go around and around. Because they've built these expectations. I think Disney, what they've done, they've, they've, they've taken the boredom out of waiting in a long line and they've transformed it into building expectation for what's ahead. That's the opposite. When you stand in line, you usually don't have a good time, do you? I was at Sam's Club a couple weeks ago. I waited in line for just over 20 minutes just to pay for the items in my cart. It wore me out. I was exhausted. The only thing that made me look forward to doing 
was to get in the heck out of that store. No building of anticipation or expectation there. See, our scripture today is about waiting. In our passage from Isaiah, we see that God's people were waiting for God to show up and save them. They thought that God had forgotten them. I mean, God's temple had been destroyed. They'd been taken from Jerusalem to a foreign nation. And so here's God through the prophet Isaiah who's telling them that it's in the waiting that they can find God. Our passage of Scripture actually begins in verse 25. So if you have your Bibles, I hope you have them open. There should be a pew Bible there if you, if you need one. Verse 25. God is asking a question. To whom can you compare me? He says. Who is my equal? And then Isaiah reminds them that God created all the stars. He knows each of those stars by name. That's how powerful God is. And because God is that powerful, in verse 27, Isaiah asks a question. And this is kind of the living voice version of this. He says, how in the world can you say that the Lord doesn't see your troubles? Are you kidding me? He asks. Have you forgotten which you've heard about all that God has done in the past. I mean, this reminds me of our passage from a couple weeks ago when Jesus reminds the people in the Sermon on the Mount that if our Heavenly Father can take care of nature, He most certainly can take care of us because we're more important to God than the rest of nature. And so Isaiah reminds his people of some of these attributes of God. He says, the Lord is everlasting. That means he's eternal. He's never going to die. He's never going to end. He's everlasting. He's the creator of all the earth. The Lord never gets worn out. He never gets tired. The Lord is so wise. He's so smart that nobody can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to those who are worn out or tired. He offers strength to the powerless. God is a God of strength and power and he shares that strength and power with us. Think about that. God's never tired. We get tired, don't we? But God gives us his energy so that we won't be tired. God's all-powerful. And when you really think about it, we don't have much power, do we? But God gives us the strength we need to overcome life, to overcome the obstacles in the world with his power. See, what Isaiah is telling us here is that God isn't a selfish God. He shares who he is with us. And by sharing himself with us, that's what it means when we say that the presence of the Holy Spirit lives in us. It's it's God living in us. And then as we we move on in our scripture, we get to some kind of tricky verses here. Most translations 
have verse 30 as a separate sentence from the first part of verse 31. Actually, they're the same sentence. And it should read something like this. Listen to this. Though teenagers will eventually get tired, and hand-picked elite athletes will stumble, those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. Isn't that beautiful? See, we seem to think if you've ever worked with teenagers, which I did for many years, I had a, I had a fro before I worked with teenagers. Oh, they wore me out. I didn't really, but they wore me out. They have so much energy. You watch athletes, skilled, highly trained athletes. They seem to have as much stamina as anyone could ever want. But they all eventually get tired and need a break. See, the secret to having God's strength isn't having athletic strength. The secret to having God's strength, get this, and it's right here in our text, is knowing how to wait for him. That's the secret. It's in verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord will have their strength renewed. Now, this doesn't mean that we just sit around and do nothing. This waiting doesn't mean that we just kick back, turn on the TV, or play video games, waiting for God to strengthen us. That's not what it's saying at all. This is a different type of waiting. To wait on the Lord is actually to put our hope and our trust in the Lord. That's what it means to wait on the Lord. We may not see God moving in our lives right now, But deep down, we know that he is. We may be up to our eyeballs in trouble, in problems, in stress. We're overwhelmed. We feel like we're drowning. But to wait on the Lord is to trust him. It's to put our hope in him. That's what it means to wait on the Lord. It's to wait with expectation. It's like standing in that long food line at Disney World. But we know at the end of the line is a frozen Donald Duck orange juice on a stick. It gives us something to look forward to. This long line's going to be worth it. If you're going through a tough time right now, you're waiting. But you know that if God placed each of the stars in the universe, he's going to see you through this tough time. So you wait in the Lord with that expectation that he's going to come through for you. If you've worked with me at the church, you know I'm not good at waiting. I like things done now. Let's go. I don't like to waste a single second of my day. Let's go. I'm a type A plus personality, I guess. That's not good for us. Especially when waiting means that we are putting our hope and our trust in God. Many of us don't want to do that, as strange as that sounds. Many of us don't want to put our hope and trust in God. We want to put our hope and trust in ourselves and our ability to solve our own problems. You know what happens when we do that. 
It's an epic fail. We let down ourselves and we let down those that we love. When we put our hope and trust in our own skills, our own smarts, our own abilities. When we wait for God, we're looking with expectation for God to come to our aid. And when that happens, a funny thing takes place. And it's in verse 31. It says, We fly high like eagles with wings. We run and we don't get worn out. We walk and we don't get tired. See, it's in the waiting and that we find our strength in God. We don't find our strength in God in the actual doing of anything. See, by waiting on God, by just trusting Him that He knows what He's doing, we grow spiritually to such an extent that we have a much bigger view of our lives. That's why we see this image of the eagle. Just like an eagle has a bigger view of the world when it's soaring than it does when it's on the ground. When we wait on the Lord, we're able to have a view of our lives that's a holistic view. We're not just looking right here at the tiny steps of our lives. We're able to see with a broad picture being lifted above our world by God like an eagle flying over the world gives us a view of the world that, let's face it, humans didn't see in Isaiah's time. I mean, the highest view of the world they probably saw was when they stood on a hill. So for Isaiah to write this, this was unbelievable. Those of us who have flown an airplane, we've seen a big view of the world, haven't we? Yet that is what a relationship with God can do for us. By God's grace shown to us, we're able to see ourselves with the big picture. Not just event in life to the next event in life to the next event in life, but a big picture of our lives. I mean, think about it. When you look back on traumatic times in your life, Can't you see that God was working? At the moment, we can't see it sometimes. But when we look back, we say, you know, God's hand was there. That's what waiting on the Lord does for us. We're able to understand our circumstances in a way that strengthens us. Tom Petty sang that the waiting is the hardest part. Remember that song? You're going to have that stuck in your mind all day now. Sorry. Yet what we see in our scripture passage today is that waiting is actually the most important part, especially in our relationship with God. Think back. You can find it in Acts chapter 1. Here's the disciples of Jesus. Jesus had just ascended into heaven and the disciples are just standing there Looking up at the sky. Well, we've never seen anything like that before. And an angel says, what are you all staring at the sky for? Go to Jerusalem. 
Isn't that what he told you to do? Did he tell you to stare at the sky? No. So they go to Jerusalem, and what do they do? Acts chapter 1, verse 14, we see the disciples, along with Jesus' mother Mary, and several other women. What are they doing? Are they planning and strategizing a movement? Let's start a new religion. No. They're waiting. They're praying. They knew something was going to happen. But they didn't know what. So they waited on the Lord, just as Isaiah says, those who wait on the Lord will find strength. They prayed with anticipation. Lord, we don't know what is going to happen. But we know you're going to do it. And what happened was the birth of the church. What happened was the coming of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And it changed the world. And it began with them not just by being busy, but by waiting and trusting. Whatever we do for God must first begin with waiting. Waiting with a hope, waiting with an expectation of what God can do through us. See, there's a big difference, isn't there, between what we do for God and what God does through us. Can you understand that? Because one is our action, which we do for ourselves, to help God. Another one is action that is led by God for his glory, not ours. See, sometimes it's, it's in this waiting. Sometimes it's in this praying that we're able to grow deepest in our relationship with Jesus. Because as our patience grows, so does our reliance on Christ. And may our waiting, as it produces hope, as it produces strength in us, draw us closer to Christ as we keep our life situations in perspective. I was talking to Julianne this past week, and she had a rough day. She was overwhelmed. She's in the same math class that I was in. Introduction to the world of mathematics. It was Mike and the Baylor football team in math class. I was an English major. And she was frustrated. She and, her, and friends are making decisions and she wants to save everybody and I'm really worried about her. I mean, she's just having a rough day. And all she could see was this, right? And I said, Julianne, look at the big picture. This is one day in many, many, many days you're going to be in, at Baylor. This isn't the end. What is God trying to show you in this? And she said, I don't even know. But then later on I get a text message. And all it said was this. I learned that he can do it when I can't. See, it's not about our situations. It's not about what we do. It's about having an expectation of what God is doing. It's seeing our lives for the big picture, not just on the disappointments that happen every day. 
See, God working through us allows us to see ourselves with a completely different perspective than if we did something for God on our own strength. Listen, wait on the Lord as we understand it today. Remember, it's just sitting and trusting him with anticipation, knowing that he's going to move. Wait on the Lord and you'll find strength that you've been missing in your life. Wait with trust and hope for God to rescue you so that when he does, and he will, God is going to see you through whatever you're going through. And if we wait with this trust and hope and anticipation and expectation, we'll know who to give thanks to. Because God always comes through for us. Maybe not the way that we thought it might be. But he gives us a vision of our lives that's as high as the vision that an eagle has when it's flying. I need to learn to wait on the Lord more. We all do. Because it's where the fruit of the Spirit grows. And God can minister to us. Let's pray.